Hello and welcome back to the Building Stewards podcast. I'm your host Donovan Brooks and I have the pleasure of educating, encouraging, and engaging you in all things faith and finance. So before I hop into today's episode, I have a couple announcements. I want to follow up and and ask if you would share this with friends and family members and colleagues that might find this valuable. That would be much appreciated. I know many of the podcast apps have a a share button natively inside the app that makes it easy to share via text message or social media uh, and some other methods. And so if you could do that, pause this and do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, I wanted to let you know that I did start an email list for those that wanted to get updated and notified of the latest episodes, show notes and announcements and more on top of that. If you head over to buildingstewardspodcast.com, that is buildingstewardspodcast.com. You can sign up, put your name and email in there, and you will be on the list. And then finally, I wanted to announce that I would love to take questions from my audience. I know this is a very new podcast, and I know that many people are still figuring out what this podcast means to them or exactly all the things that I'll be hitting on, just kind of the, the theme in general. But I wanted to open it up to just mailbag questions. I know a lot of podcasts and podcast hosts will accept questions from their audience as a way to engage them and just to, to give more practical answers. I would love if my audience would ask me any questions. So I want to be very open to that possibility. So if you head over to the Building Stewards podcast website, the website that I just mentioned, and you go to the Connect tab, and then the contact form, there is a section to select mailbag question. So if you fill out the information, your email, and you submit the question, I would love to feature that question on an episode. So anyway, those are three announcements that I had that I wanted to hit on before I dive into today's topic. And today's topic is five financial lessons that we can learn from the global pandemic so far. And so I know we aren't out of the global pandemic yet, I know there is probably still a lot to be revealed about what this will mean in terms of our lives and history in general, but I am a huge fan, a huge proponent of taking the time to reflect. So as I have gotten older and I've lived more life on this earth, I have found it increasingly important to be still and reflect and contemplate about what has happened in the past, what we've gone through. What can we learn? What is God trying to put in front of us for us to learn? Because I think there's a lot of valuable insight, a lot of wisdom there. And I think we also miss out a lot if we don't take the time to reflect appropriately on just life that we've lived so far. So five financial lessons we can learn from the global pandemic so far. Number one, having savings and reserves is extremely important. So I don't know how you want to call this. A lot of people call it an emergency fund. A lot of people call it a safety net, just savings in general or reserves, whatever you want to call it. This, what I'm really referencing is this account that houses a savings of money that you've just contributed to, to help you out, to soften the blow in those uncertain times, whatever that looks like. This really came to light, you know, when the pandemic first hit and, you know, people were getting laid off there was businesses that had to shut down government and locales were forcing mandatory closures of businesses so if you had a business that was affected or you worked for a business that was affected you you were suffering like you hit you know you had to trudge through a time of not having any income now there was expanded unemployment insurance and all those things 
but we did see if you had a you know a savings reserve that was adequate you were able to stave off you were able to transition really well into unemployment or reemployment with your current business or your place of employment so not only is this biblical this is important no matter what season of life we're in whether we're in a mountain or a valley whether we're you know in this huge season of harvest or this drought super important to have adequate savings and I, I said it was biblical building that margin and saving is a, a huge biblical concept that you will hear me harp on over and over and over in this pandemic this season of life we're in and what we went through reminds me of joseph from the old testament now joseph ended up in in slavery in egypt right because his, his brothers had sold him for silver they were they were jealous of him and his favor that he had with his father, Joseph ended up in Egypt and he was a slave there, but had been known to give accurate prophecies from God. So it reminds me of the account when Pharaoh had gotten these visions, these dreams from God. Uh, the one specifically that I remember is about the, the cows, right? There were seven plump and attractive cows that came out of the Nile, followed by these seven ugly and skinny cows and those skinny cows ate up the plump cows and pharaoh was really just confused by this um, and he had a couple dreams that were pretty similar but he told his advisors and his counselors this and no one could figure out what it meant and so the cupbearer remembered joseph and told pharaoh hey i think i might know someone that could interpret this vision this dream and so entered joseph to uh, his conversation with the pharaoh and he told him what it meant what God was planning to do, and it was about the seven years of plenty followed by the seven years of drought. And so Joseph had advised the Pharaoh, like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years of really good and plentiful harvest, and then you're gonna, it's going to be followed by seven years of meagerness, drought. There's not going to be a lot. And Joseph recommended, you need to set someone over the country to collect and gather and store up during this time of plenty for that time of drought and he told pharaoh this and pharaoh ended up choosing joseph to be that steward to be in charge of collecting and gathering and storing up for this event so long story short i, I tell you that because this is what it reminds me of in, in this lesson that we've learned we should be collecting and gathering and storing up not in a hoarding fashion not in an extreme fashion, but knowing like, hey, there are going to be times that we are going to go through this drought, this, this quote-unquote drought, where we're going to need something a little extra. We're going to need a cushion that's going to bring us out of this. And as you can see, there's other examples in scripture that are pretty similar in language and examples and parables that are pretty similar to this. So it may not be a pandemic. Right now, in this season, it's a pandemic. You know, over a decade ago, it was the Great Recession. In your personal life, it may be something completely different. It may be being laid off. It may be X, Y, and Z. I mean, there's just different examples that it could be um, for you personally. But we need to be planning and saving for those times of drought because right now, everything looks good. It may be good. You know, this is a time of plenty. And even though we're still in the pandemic, I really creating this to be an evergreen piece. So whenever you're listening to this, it's likely going to be in a time of plenty. We need to be saving and storing a reserve for the time of drought.
it also made me think of this this tweet i had this tweet this wisdom from god if you will i i said an emergency fund is like grace you don't really know how important it is until you desperately need it we don't want to be in this position where we are kind of kicking ourselves because we didn't take advantage of the opportunity when it was present we didn't take advantage of the abundance when it was present and one thing i'll say about saving this is the last thing and i'll get off this rant one thing i say about saving it's kind of twofold right it prepares us for the future it allows us to store up for those times of drought but also it reduces our consumption it reduces what we have today and it helps defer gratification it brings us more into this humbling state of less and so it's kind of twofold in that sense and that's why I think saving is important now it shouldn't be you know we shouldn't obsess about it and it shouldn't be an idol because I definitely think it can but saving is really beneficial and it is biblical so okay I'm off that rant lesson number two we realized what was essential and what was not Um, and what I mean by this is we were able to see a finer line a more definite line between needs and wants so when we look at when the pandemic broke out there's really two camps that kind of arose you were either forced to separate needs from wants or you were voluntarily separating your needs from your wants so when we when we looked at what happened a lot of this came out of our financial security was threatened right whether you were questioning your employment and if you were able to continue to work and have a paycheck or you were just uncertain about the future right financial security a lot of us were uneasy about it for good for good reason so because of that we all switched to survival mode and when we switched to survival mode a lot of us most of us I will, would even say you know you are just taking care of necessities right that is all you're concerned with necessities we're not going to do anything above that and when I say forcibly when I mention forcibly a lot of the things we wanted to do above those necessities we weren't able to do anyway because everything was shut down right you weren't able to go out and enjoy drinks with friends you weren't able to go to the theater you weren't able to do go to sporting events this and that they were just kind of pulled from us and so that's when I say forcibly that's what I was meaning so basically your bare essentials is what you were worried about making sure you were covering and we were all grateful for that right so it's this idea that a lot of us were forced into this financial fast if you will and I've uh, written a piece, uh, a blog post on a financial fast before. And really, it's when you think of fasting and going without food or going without X, Y, Z, you know, whatever you fast from routinely. Or think about when you fast during Lent, things that you've gone without. You can do a financial fast where you're really only partaking in what's absolutely necessary. Everything else, you go without. And that's what I mean by financial fast. But it, it was really, you know, a sobering time for all of us, right? I think a lot of our culture is spent in this trance. Marketing machine is just hammering us with do this, do that. And we really don't have a lot of time to one, be grateful, but two, consider what is absolutely necessary in my life. Draw the line there and really consider and think about everything above that. And I'm not anti spending money. I'm not anti enjoying what you have because I definitely think that is important but what I loved about this time, and it's unfortunate the circumstance, is it did cause us to be sober. It did cause us to evaluate what is most important and how we're spending our money. I loved having this conversation with my clients 
they just, you know, would open up and say, I just really didn't realize how much money we spent on X, Y, and Z until we were forced to not spend it. And think about that. When you're forced to not spend money, which is crazy in our culture, right? Because we can spend money so easily. There are hardly any barriers. But this was something that was just this wall, this barrier, where we couldn't get past in some way or fashion, depending on how you're spending money. But when you're forced to not spend money, it changes perspective, right? And so my hope was that as we went through that and as we're still going through that, that maybe you glean something from that. Maybe you evaluate some of your spending or where a lot of your budget was able to be freed up because you weren't able to spend. Let that not be in vain because I think that's such a, an important season that almost all of America had to go through. And I would hate for us to just get out of this pandemic and for that lesson to maybe be lost and missed by a majority of us. And even as we talk about the needs and wants, and even as we look at, okay, we were just covering necessities, for me, and hopefully for you, it, it kind of put this idea into my head, or more of a revelation, I should say, we don't need as much as we think. Let me repeat that again. We don't need as much as we think. I mean, for a good long while, you know, we were all, you know, shelter in place. You know, it's hard to remember what that time was like because we're nearing the end of the year. But, you know, we were all at home. We were sheltered in place. We were, you know, staying indoors and staying in our homes, staying in our apartments. We were eating at home. And, and we were, most of us were working from home if we, if we were able to work. And so you look at kind of what was happening we, or what expenses did we need to cover? We needed to cover shelter. We needed to make sure we were fed. We needed to make sure utilities were on. And outside of that, you know, that's, that's a majority of like where a lot of our expenses were going. We don't need as much as we think. And I think we would be foolish to think otherwise. It reminds me of First Timothy when Paul was writing to Timothy about contentedness. And I love how much Paul wrote about contentment. So much fruit. But every time he talks about contentment, I feel like he is my, my spirit animal. He's talking directly to me. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So much good stuff in that, and those just a couple of verses that I could talk about for a while, but that I really wanted to focus on that last thing. Well, I guess all of it. We brought nothing into the world. We're not going to take anything out of the world. It's not like storing up is going to do us any good, you know, the, the language of, you know, where our heart is, our treasure's at. And, you know, don't store up things that are just going to erode, that moths and rust are going to get at. You know, where are we storing our treasure up? But even at the end, he says, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. This is Paul. This is the man that talked about being content in very little and content in abundance. He figured out how to be content in all situations. Through Christ, I can do all things, you know, is what, what Paul was coined with saying. So with food and clothing, he doesn't even talk about shelter, um, which is, is kind of fascinating with me. Um, maybe because he traveled so much, he just knew shelter was going to be something he could always depend on. But 
with food and clothing, with these we will be content. And with this lesson about knowing what's essential and what's not, knowing what is a need and what is a want, I mean, even what is a nice to have, I hope that a lesson that we have been able to, to, to come to is just gratitude and contentment. Just being thankful that we have a place to lay our head, being thankful that we have food, being thankful that we have clothes, being thankful that we were able to keep the air or the heat on. Internet is a plus. I know things would look a lot differently if we didn't have internet during shelter in place, but I digress. But finding gratitude and contentment and just knowing we don't need a lot to live. And Paul said it, be content with just the basics. So that, that's, that's lesson number two, is that we were able to realize what was essential and what was not. I think it just also just allows us to be that much more appreciative and grateful when we're able to partake in those, those things, again, that kind of were taken from us. I, I know I am. Um, whenever you can partake in those things that were stricken from our routine and our schedule and our, hab- you know, our habits, just be extra grateful that those are back into your life. And maybe they're not yet, but if they are ever able to be back in your life, I would just implore you to be extra grateful um, just because you know what it, life was like without them. And one last little note about that is back to a huge proponent on cash flow that I am. When we talk about needs and wants, it was also an area that we were able to scrutinize spending on. Hopefully you were able to to scrutinize some of your spending um, and hopefully you're budgeting and tracking your expenses. If not, you need to be doing that. If there's one thing I'm gonna call to action when it comes to finances for you, is you need to have a budget and track your expenses. I have a lot of content around that. I would love to, to push it your way if you're interested, but you need to be telling your money where to go and you need to be tracking to see how well you are staying within those boundaries or you won't even come close to your financial goals and what you hope to accomplish. But anyway, this separation of needs and wants, it allowed us to scrutinize our spending a little bit. It allowed us to ref, you know, put it through this refining process. A lot of people saw a a huge surplus and excess in their bank account because they weren't able to spend in the same way. And so just knowing what your needs are, what your tendencies are, I hope you're able to scrutinize to some extent of how to move forward with how you're going to tell your money where to go. And maybe that's changed for you. Maybe it's not. But I, I always think we need to be constantly scrutinizing where we're spending our money just to make sure it's lining up with our values, to make sure it's lined up to what we say is most important. That's really what I want to come back to, not just scrutinizing for scrutinizing's sake, but to really make sure our money is going towards the most valuable things. Okay, enough about that. Lesson three, having a plan is crucial. So naturally, I'm a planner. I'm a financial planner, financial advisor. They're kind of one and the same coming from me, but I have a very planning-oriented personality, and so this one hits home. So a huge lesson during this time, having a plan is crucial. So this can look a couple different ways. This really has come come back to, to mean having wise counsel in your corner during those times of volatility, during those times of uncertainty, whether we're talking about finances, we're talking about life, whatever we're talking about, you need to have that wise counsel in your life to where you can go to and seek insight and wisdom and the Holy Spirit. So that is one. The other meaning that this can be is just having a roadmap 
of how to proceed financially during these times. Having a plan is crucial. So counsel and an actual plan, a roadmap of what is gonna guide you during these times. And so having a plan is constantly being outdated, but you tweak it. A plane never flies straight to its destination, right? It gets knocked off course by the wind and the other factors and the temperature and all these things, but you course correct. And that's the same with a financial plan. So you need to have a financial plan. You need to have wise counsel in your corner. Even if that plan needs to pivot and be tweaked over time, it is still better than not having a plan in the first place because the consequences are too high for not having a plan. Those volatile times, those are where the most mistakes are made. Those are where the most costly mistakes are made. So you need to have a plan that's gonna guide you in those times. And if you are more relationally driven, relationally oriented, then having that counsel in your life, like a church leadership, a pastor, small group, close friends, and in this capacity, a financial advisor, it, whatever it is, having that counsel in your corner, having that plan in your corner is what's gonna keep you from some costly mistakes, from sometimes from some costly mistakes. That, when it comes down to it, we just all still have free will. We're gonna make decisions. But I think the point is when you have that wisdom in your corner, whether it's a financial plan, whether it's wise counsel, you know, you are more rooted, you're more level, you're more rational during those volatile times. And we, we take the time to put those things in place during rational times for the irrational times, if that makes sense. You don't wait till the irrational times. You don't wait till the times of volatility to, to put those solid foundational things into place. You can. I advi I'd advise not to. I'd advise to do it you know, when we're not going through those turbulent times. But I guess anything's better than nothing, right? So anyway, take the time to put the wise counsel, put the financial plan into place when the skies are clear is, is really what I'm trying to hit at. So lesson number four, debt is dangerous. So if you follow me on social media, or if you're in, on any of my email lists and you get my content, I have been creating a lot of content around debt. Um, it's just kind of where my heart and my head has been out lately because I've kind of seen it in a new light. And it is, it is dangerous. It is truly dangerous. And what we've seen during this pandemic is how dangerous it can be. And even back to the Great Recession, we were able to see how nasty of a head it can rear. For those that have taken on too much debt and they over leveraged themselves per se, we see the aftermath of that during those times of uncertainty, during those times of turbulence. Debt always presumes on the future. It always presumes that we're able to work in the future to earn income to then repay debt. So debt is always presumptive of the future and our ability to work. So what happens if we're not able to work? Well, the creditor doesn't stop coming to us to seek payment for what we owe them, rightfully so. And so debt is dangerous because it puts us in this precarious position of not being able to repay should something in the future change. And so in this specific instance, the, the pandemic, the government did offer some provisions, some safety for specific types of debt, whether that be federal student loans or federally guaranteed mortgages. There was forbearances through the end of the year. There was mortgage relief. There was some safety offered by them, and that is great. But I will say do not depend on the government to come in and save the day because, one, there's sometimes strings attached. Two, it may not, it may not happen. 
Three, they may just miss you based on how they've decided to, to push through legislation or structure provisions. Take charge of your financial responsibility and your future. And one of the reasons I say that is because not everyone was able to receive help from the government in that same vein. So some people didn't have federal student loans. They had maybe private student loans. There was no provisions for that. Some people didn't have a federally guaranteed mortgage, but a private mortgage. There was no relief for that. And so don't depend on the government to swoop in and save us from a debt responsibility that we have, a debt obligation that we have. And if you don't have one already, you need a debt-free vision. You need a, a vision if you're in debt right now, and even if you're not in debt, you need to have a vision of getting debt-free and or remaining debt-free. And I've written some content on this. I think we as Americans, and even Christians, have become too lax when it comes to the presence of debt in our life. And I, I'm guilty of this. I will be the first to say I am guilty of being way too lax about debt. But it just takes a life event. It takes a global event. It just takes one thing to ruin someone, to ruin a family, uh, to cause financial catastrophe. So let's, I know I'm ranting on this too, let's take debt seriously. It's dangerous. It's not sinful. I think, you know, most of us will always have debt in our life at some point. And hopefully the debt presence in our life gets less and less as we age. That's, that's the hope. But let's, let's keep this mindset of debt being dangerous. I think that's a perfect example. It's dangerous. We should be avoiding it at all costs. We should be trying to get out of it as soon as possible. And it starts with a debt-free vision. And I'll link to a post I created about having a debt-free vision. I think an important part of that vision is having a debt-free date. Having a date, a year, a month, even a day if you want, of when you plan to be debt-free. Aim small, miss small. If you aim at a very specific and precise target, even if you miss, you're going to be pretty close. But if you don't, if you aim very generically and broadly, you probably won't hit your target or even come anywhere near it. Aim small, miss small. Last lesson, lesson number five. Your income and your cash flow is the lifeblood to your personal finances. Your income, your cash flow is the lifeblood to your personal finances. You can't do much without an income. Without any money coming into your bank account, there's not much you can do, whether you have a plan or not. And so this makes, it makes gainful employment really important, even though there was unemployment insurance for this last event, expanded unemployment insurance. And shoot, even some people got paid more on unemployment than they did at their job, which is a whole nother <laughs> a whole nother issue, but because your income, your cash flow is the lifeblood to your personal finances, it makes it even more important that you need to be budgeting and tracking your spending. Because whether you want to believe it or not, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Your employment in the future tomorrow is not guaranteed. Money is a finite resource, just like time. So knowing that should put this sense of urgency, this sense of importance on making sure we're just being good stewards and tracking everything that we're spending our money in an honoring way and an enjoyable way I, I will say we were given money to enjoy it but in this scenario spending our money in a way that is honorable but that is lined up with values and what's most important so your income your cash flow is the lifeblood to your personal finances if you don't have a financial plan you need to make one even if you have a financial plan you know, your cash flow is what's going to move the needle 
in your financial plan. So don't take your earning power for granted. Don't take your job for granted. Don't take how you generate income for granted. It was taken away from many, you know, during this shutdown, right? Many have not rebounded. Many have not gotten back onto their feet in regards to gainful employment. And so this is a small plug to live beneath your means. Just because you can afford something doesn't justify that that's the right route. Some of the wisest people that have just done well during this pandemic are those that lived well beneath their means. You know, they were given numbers, they were given quotes of what they could afford, whether a house or a car or this or that. And they said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lower the bar even further and live well beneath the means because that margin, that difference is really important. That's gonna give me freedom and flexibility should anything happen. And even if anything doesn't happen, it allows me to save, build margin and save. And it allows me to direct resources towards maybe what's important, what's being reflected in that financial plan. So anyway, your income, your cash flow is the lifeblood to your personal finances. Protect it at all costs, whatever that looks like for your specific circumstance, whether that look like reducing your expenses, creating a new normal for your spending, setting the bar lower for those means of what it looks like in your life to create margin. That could be a great actionable step for you. So those are five lessons that I think we can learn so far in the global pandemic. And I hope that I don't have to come back again and do another five. I hope that this pandemic is mostly over, but who knows what's about to happen. Only God knows. But my encouragement to you is to be grateful, to be content just where we're at right now, to have our eyes focused on heaven, to have our eyes focused on, on Christ. This is, again, still a very temporary, transient life. And I know I can lose sight of that on some of the things that I say and speak about, but eternal hope in Jesus, in the eternity that awaits us. Temporary, there are things that we can do to be just honoring stewards and to set ourselves up well to continue to build the kingdom. So with that being said, until next time, the best is yet to come.